managing type 1 diabetes is a game of balance, both physically and emotionally. Of course, you don't want your blood sugar too high or too low, but you also want to be free and flexible in your behavior, especially in what you eat. Because we all know that if we restrict what we eat, it can become very, very challenging. And almost always, the pendulum swings the other side. Welcome to Live Free with T1D podcast, brought to you by the Diabetes Psychologist. This is the only podcast where we teach you how to manage the stress of type 1 diabetes like a sailboat. Welcome to Live Free with T1D podcast, brought to you by the Diabetes Psychologist. This is the only podcast where we teach you how to manage the stress of type 1 diabetes like a sailboat. You are the captain, your diabetes management and knowledge is the hull, your mindset is the sails, your behavior is the rudder, and your support team is the crew. When you build your sailboat correctly, you will have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and on this episode of the podcast, I coach Sarah. Sarah has a seven-year-old daughter with type 1 diabetes. And Sarah's trying to balance her daughter's health and her blood sugars with allowing her to be a normal seven-year-old and eat what she wants. I help Sarah think about how to set her daughter up for success, both with her blood sugars and with her quality of life. We also do a reality check with Sarah to help her see what good diabetes management is. If you've ever had an extra cookie and thought you shouldn't have, or if your blood sugar's ever been high because you've had that cookie. This episode is going to help you so much. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. I really am excited to have this conversation. I know that you're a mom of a young lady with type 1 diabetes, and I want to hear a little bit about her diagnosis story and what's been going on since then and what your challenge is right now. Sure. So I am... Um, Beatrice is freshly seven, and we were diagnosed at um, around two and a half in July of 2018. And um, after that, obviously, our world was turned upside down. And really, when they're two and a half, three, there's not a lot of decisions that the kids make for themselves. So it's all a trade-off, right? We don't know our lives any other way except for with type 1 diabetes. Mm -hmm. And so as our adventure has um, gone on, we've we've become experts on things like devices and, um, you know, understanding how we're going to use insulin. And there are some things that we've really gotten better at. And then there's also some things that um, become less and less clear as she's able to make her own choices and as she kind of has a voice and a vote on them. So I think the reason um, that I was so excited to talk with you today was really about understanding from her perspective about her need for autonomy on uh, choosing her food. So that is becoming more and more um, apparent as she's getting older. And for me, I wouldn't describe myself as helicopter, but like helicopter adjacent mom. Right. So like, I love my good score. I love my A1C being perfect. Mm -hmm. And, um, Beatrice is not at all interested in a really great A1C, right. What she's really interested in is a great time. And so, um, and sometimes those two are in direct conflict. (laughs) 
So my strategy right now is that in my home, I um, obviously, it's just her and I. And so I buy all the things um, that I'm comfortable serving. So everything in my house isn't really um, party type um, stuff, right? So we're shopping at the Whole Foods. We're getting the boring stuff. Nothing's too excited. There's no marshmallows, no popsicles, nothing really good in the house. However, when we leave the house, or if we do want to have something fantastic, we make it ourselves. So if we want to have a cake, we're going to make it at home. If we want to have cookies, we make the cookies and then we enjoy one and we pass the rest on to our neighbors, right? So that's our strategy at home. And now as she's getting older, she's spending more time outside the home. So now she's in school or in birthday parties or at church or just generally out and about Mm -hmm. and sees something delicious. And so my policy has been a yes, um, because I'm worried about her sneaking. I know that on my mom's group, some um, moms shared that their kids are sneaking And then my um, second, well, I guess my primary concern is that I understand that these children, particularly little girls, are at higher risk for an eating disorder. And I really want to get in front of that. If I am being too restrictive, I want to understand how I can stack the deck in her favor without completely just giving up on all of her organs, because we're pretty much giving up on the teeth (laughs) as it is, like going to the dentist's office is like going to the principal's office for me and her. Um, And I really not want to give up on the rest of her body, but I want her to um, be able to uh, enjoy foods without me being yet to hospitalize myself. So like some like middle ground is what I'm looking for. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to just point out one thing to you, and I, I'm sure that you're aware of this, but I it, it always strikes me when I talk to a parent of a child with diabetes, and their 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 first statement is, "We were diagnosed," and it really is a family affair. I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah. having a child, especially a two and a half year old, diagnosed with diabetes, it's not her; it is it is you and the, the whole family that is part of that. And I think that's a really healthy thing way, way to think about it. But I think you also have to pay attention to that to make, to make sure that she has her autonomy there. Um, and, and you know, that, that, that the diabetes is not part of us. It's, it, it is here and not part of anybody. Um, it's, it's something that we're living with. It's almost like a, a room, another roommate. <laughs> um, and, and that's a helpful way of thinking about it. I think that's definitely an area of opportunity for me. I think that um, if you want to drill that home with me, I think I am ready to receive that message because I have a challenge just seeing her as a different person than myself. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and yeah, and there's a lot there, but I'm, but I'm curious, Sarah, for you, like what, what would be an ideal time and range or in in A1C for Beatrice? Oh, 100% time and range. I would love 5.4, right? Okay. Um, right now we are under uh, seven, which for her age group, you know, 6.8 or 6.9 um, mm-hmm. without being, we're not low carb. I would say we're carb conscious as okay. far as I try and pair foods well at home and I try and have her eat in color at home. Um, but away, it's just like a traveling circus, you know, yeah. like just outside the house it is, it's just a fair game circus. Okay. And then what about our time and range? What is that right now uh, on average? Um, I would say at least 80% of the time she's using control IQ, but okay. I will say that her range is pretty high. Like my range that I have set, um, because she's in school, I don't want her to beep. 
uh, below 200. And then I don't want her to be give a correction below uh, or above, or sorry, below 90. So the okay. correction would be above 200 and then um, food would be, uh, you know, below 90. Gotcha. But so when it's you're a getting, wide range. And are you getting the Dexcom Clarity reports every week? Or are you looking at, looking at them on your phone or her phone to see what her time and range is with Dexcom? You know what? I'm not doing that weekly. Okay. When I think about it, I do it. But um, I, I guess I'm just, I'm with the app, you know, most of the day following. I feel like I've, yeah, I guess I, I could do that. But I, yeah. I mean, like I know that Dexcom by heart. Yeah. And when you, you can actually set it up so you can get notifications, either a push notification and or an email every week on Sunday, okay. let, letting you know what her time and range and her, yeah, her time and range has been over the past week. And you, you can also see the change um, between weeks. But what I, I think the important thing to talk about here before we talk about the food and like how, how you're managing the food is how well she's doing. I mean, she, you know, the 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 guidelines say that for kids under i think it's 15 uh, a1c below 7.5 is is spot on or amazing and a time and range above 65 or 70% is really really good i will tell you that i have not had a time and range above 80% for a whole week in a couple of years um it's a really challenging thing to do and i think that the challenge is that we like to think about time and range like we think about grades in school you think about grades in school, oh, well, I want my daughter to have all A's or, and if she has a, a B or a C or me, meaning a 70% or a 65%, something wrong with that. And actually what we know is that the time and range does not match up to grades in school. Uh, and actually, if you have a 70% time and range, which is quite honestly what I have used most of the time, you're actually doing really, really well. If you have an 80% time and range, you're a rock star. And if you're at 90% time range in a week, you are a unicorn. It is nearly impossible to do. Um, and just so you know, Dexcom with time and range sets those uh, sets those numbers. Um, you can't change them uh, when you're talking about what the time and range means. So it's, I believe it's between 70 and 180. Um, and so when you get those reports from Dexcom, um, you can't you can't mess with the numbers to make the oh, time okay. different. I mean, so it's a standardized it's a standardized number across people. So, so I, first, I want to say that if her time and range is eighty percent. That is, she is doing amazingly well, and the research is still out as to what that what that means in terms of complications, a risk for complications. And it's, I mean, it's it's all good news. But we did a there was a big study in the nineties that that was done that showed that if your A one C is below six or sorry sorry below seven, your risk for complications decreases significantly. Um, and so that, and, and so that, that's why we look at six or set below seven or below 6.5 as being kind of the ideal A1C. The research is now being done on what that same thing means for time and range. But the best guess and the best scientists are telling us that anything above 70% is amazing. And anything above 80% is, you know, even more amazing and probably not even sustainable. So I want to say that right now, um, you and she are doing a phenomenal job at managing her blood sugars. Oh, well, thank you. I think we're done here. Um, send me a bill. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, 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 none, but nonetheless, I mean, I think, I think talking about food and talking about, um, you know, how to manage both her eating, which is important uh, and her body image, as well as your anxiety around that um, is, is definitely a, 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 a something where we can, I think, make some progress here. 
Yeah. And I think so when you made the comparison about um, her, her grades and the Dexcom, I'm kind of there with you, but her grades are a reflection of her efforts and how well um, her teachers are working with her, right? But mostly um, like a good combination of that. And really yeah. her A1C is not reflective of her effort at all it, and, until she gets older and that'll be a, a whole nother um, you know, can of worms. But um, it really feels like the A1C and her numbers are directly um, correlate to how well I take care of her. And I, um, particularly for single moms and moms in general, we yeah. like to measure ourselves, like the, the biggest grade that we're going to give in our lives is yeah. how well we have taken care of our children. So if there's mm-hmm. any place I want to achieve, it is in, you know, how well God is going to say that I've taken care of this gift that he's given me. So of it's course. a really important metric for me. And it feels I mean, sort of like a grade, but just it's so it's, you know, it doesn't reflect her effort. It reflects mine right now. No, I, and I completely understand where you're coming from. And I, 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 I'm not going to push back on you on that at all. I mean, <laughs> you know, there, there's a lot, a lot, a lot there. And some people may disagree with me, but, but what I want to say is let, let's assume just for a minute, just for argument's sake, that it is a grade on you. And, and, and yeah. the, her time and range is a reflection of how good of a mom you're doing. I don't believe that's true for a second, but, 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 but even if it were, I think that what what my point is, excuse me, is we need to make sure that we're grading on a curve (laughs) and, 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 and that if we're talking about an A, an A in school is 90% at about for most schools and an A in diabetes, if we want to give it a grade is 70% and above. Okay. It's a matter of reframing what the scale is, as opposed to saying, um, you know, you can, it's okay to have a seat because, you know, I'm not going to give you that permission. I think that we need to strive for to be as healthy, both mentally and physically as we can with our diabetes. Um, But the, the, the grading system does, they, they don't match up exactly. But we're so, aren't we so attuned and so um, dialed into grades in school that everything in the world becomes, the, the, the grading system we use in school becomes reflective of everything we, that we do other places. And so we assume that if we're not above 90% that somehow we're not doing good enough. Yeah. And I think that's a good point now that you say that it really registers to me that I would never say that to another mom of a diabetic, you know, we've right. got kids that are growing or, um, their hormones are fluctuating or they're sick. And, um, oh, that would just be so horrendous for me to say that to another, um, mother of diabetic. And I think that we we live in a world that we love to measure things, right? We love to measure our steps. We love to measure our screen time. Um, but I need to make certain, and I think this is more your expertise that I'm not measuring this time and range against, um, the risk factors of her feeling restricted or needing to hide things or at the expense of her mental health, which is really hard to measure, especially when they're seven and they don't have good language about communicating their needs. Of course. Yes. Um, But that doesn't mean that diabetes management and blood sugars don't matter. Um, They actually matter. They matter a lot for her health, but also for her, for her mental health. Um, You know, we talked about how, you know, thinking about how to get her to make better food choices. I think that's a challenge that all parents have, myself included. <laughs> my last, my last half of dinner, my daughter wanted to eat, or she did, a bread with ketchup was her dinner. So, right. 
<laughs> and she's four. So she has a little bit of ways to go before she right. helps, but it, it, it's, a, it's a challenge. Um, and at the same time, when your blood sugar goes high, you know, and, and you're making, you're making poor, poor, poor food choices, your blood sugar goes high, you're not feeling well. And that has an impact right. on your physical health, but also on your mental health and how, how you're able to, um, how you're able to live your life. I talk to people with type 1 diabetes every day. And every day is clear to me that people at T1D need a plan. They need a plan to follow to manage the emotional burden of living with diabetes. Without a plan to manage the stress, life with diabetes is overwhelming. You feel like you're drinking out of a fire hose and you have no idea how to feel steady on your feet and find the peace of mind you're looking for. You feel like diabetes takes away your freedom to live a normal life. A plan to manage the emotional burden of T1D is very simple. There are five frameworks you need to know. And if you know these five frameworks, you have a plan for how to deal with any stress diabetes throws your way. With this plan, you'll be clear about what you're doing right now and what you need to do next. That's exactly what you get when you join Live Free with T1D. At Live Free with T1D, I coach you to manage the stress of type 1 diabetes like a sailboat. You are the captain. The hull of the boat is your diabetes knowledge and management. The sails are your mindset, the rudder is your behavior, and your crew is your support system. If you build the five parts of your sailboat correctly, you'll be sailing smoothly with type 1 diabetes. All of that is part of the plan that's available to you when you join Live Free with T1D. Plus, as part of Live Free with T1D, I host a live coaching event every month where you get access to me and have the opportunity to ask me questions and even get personalized coaching. To join Live Free with T1D, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. That's www.thediabetespsychologist.com forward slash live free with T1D. Join other people with type 1 diabetes just like you who have a plan to find peace of mind and freedom in their lives with type 1 diabetes. So let's talk about um, what happens for you. Let's imagine, can, can you give me a, a recent scenario when Beatrice was maybe at her friend's house or out of the house and maybe she made a food choice that you were not um, a huge fan of, but you didn't push back and you, um, the answer was yes. Okay. So my policy is the answer is always yes. Um, uh, away. So, um, for instance, if like we agree, I send her, um, I send her lunchbox with foods that we've agreed upon, um, the night before, like, um, with a carb count on it. However, um, if she gets to school and um, she has kind of a taste for something else, or they're really serving something delicious in the cafeteria, mm-hmm. um, she also has her um, carb loaded for money. So if she feels like, oh, today I'd really like to enjoy a soft pretzel, she just has to let someone know that she's changed her mind. And so um, that's a scenario. And the, and it seems to be the more I'm like, oh, no big deal. You can make the choice. The less she needs to make that choice. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I found. It's like the, is, if I act like it's no big deal, 
then the less that we need um, to rebel. So that's a that's a scenario. Like at school, um, I'll pack something, and then um, she'll decide she wants to eat a soft pretzel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so let's imagine that that happens. And okay, you're you're following her CGM, and yeah. and you see her blood sugar spike to let's say two fifty. What happens for you? Um, well, it definitely interrupts my day. Um, and what it interrupts my day and my heart sinks a little bit. Um, cause I know for her, it's harder for her to concentrate. Um, you feel less like working. Um, and you know, for me, if it were me, it's preventable and I would rather feel better than enjoy the pretzel. But again, like this, that was her choice. So, um, usually I'll make a note of it in my head, or sometimes I might set a timer to look at it again. Uh And then I'll ask, I can send a text to whomever is hanging on to her phone because she's not autonomous. There's a, um, an aide in the classroom that will, um, respond back. So I'll say something like, Hey, it looks like she made a switch for lunch. Let's give an adjustment in about 20 minutes if we don't see it go down. Right. And that will just be, um, an adjustment according to whatever Dexcom, I mean, whatever T-Slim says she needs. Great. Yeah. And and that sounds like a really healthy way of dealing with it. I think that one other thing that I want to mention is that I think as she gets older, um, and I I don't mean a lot older, I I mean, maybe, maybe even now, but at some point soon, she will start to realize that there is a trade-off between eating that soft pretzel and how she feels, especially if she's not bolusing it's not pre-bolusing or she's not bolusing um, enough for the pretzel. Because as Mm -hmm. you mentioned, her concentration in in class, her, how she feels, her ability to go play with her friends, um, those are all big impacts. And I would really encourage you to, as you're you're talking to her about these things, to focus on those things and not on her actual blood sugars. Focus on how her blood sugars are impacting well, so how, how her food choices impact her blood sugars and then how her blood sugars are impacting her ability to live the life that she wants to live as a seven-year-old, um, you know, okay. because my guess is that for her, that's going to be much more impactful than saying your blood sugar is 250. Because to, to be quite honest with you, you know, I'm not sure what my blood sugar is right now, but it could be 250. I don't think it is, but I, I wouldn't know it. And so, so someone saying, okay saying, Mark, your blood sugar is 250. It shouldn't be there. I'm like, well, you're, I mean, th- theoretically, yes, it shouldn't be there. I mean, it, it, that, that's, that is out of range for me. Um, but it, it, how is it impacting my life right this very moment? My ability to talk to you, my ability to do my work, not at all. But if, I, if I'm thinking ahead, if my blood sugar is 250 now, I don't treat it in a couple of hours, it's still going to be there. And I'm not going to feel very well. And that has a big impact on my life right now. I think okay. the, 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 the challenge that we have with everybody with diabetes, or I shouldn't say everybody, most people, but especially with kids, is that it's really hard to um, see the future. I mean, even, even the future tomorrow, let alone the future 10 or 15 years from now. And so focusing on the reasons why we want to change our behavior now and the impact that's going to have on our day-to-day, our, our day-to-day is going to be most impactful. And so for, for me and for her saying, Beatrice, you're not going to be able to, it's going to be harder for you to go to your friend's house after school today and have a good time playing if your blood sugar is high, because you're going to be tired and have trouble concentrating and have to pee a lot, as opposed to saying your blood sugar is high, not bad. 
Um, So what does that sound like for, is that a check-in before she makes the decision to eat a pretzel or is it a check-in when she's high um, and like qualifying how she feels beforehand or making a risk assessment before she makes the choice? Or like, what does that look like? That's a great question. And I, I would actually think about it in both ways. So, okay. but, but I think that you may need to, I, I would actually suggest that you hold off on the pre and okay. actually focus on the post. Because, so imagine that she has a pretzel today and, and, and I mean, you don't say anything, you, you follow your, your, um, the, the, the pattern that you've been doing, which I think is great. And her blood sugar goes high after uh, during school and, a, and after school, she comes home and she's like, mom, I just don't feel very good. Or I'm having trouble concentrating on watching TV or doing my homework, whatever that she's doing. Right. And then you you can you can tie that back to the fact that her blood sugar is high maybe because because she had the pretzel and have have her see that connection and say you know right. yes the pretzel was great but how much more how much more enjoyable would today be if my blood sugar was in range and you okay. know certainly the pretzel you can bolus correctly for the pretzel you know, with some trial and error and get to the point where that's okay but. Um, seeing that connection is, is really important. And then once she has that connection, then you can remind her before she has the pretzel again, you know, is that something that you really want to do? I mean, you, you know, the, you know, the possible outcome here, not any kind of sickness down the road, but just, you know, you're not okay. going to feel very well today and have, have her see, wow, I really want to go play soccer after school. And if I, if I eat that pretzel, um, the ch- it's possible my blood sugar will go high and it's going to be hard for me to have fun on the soccer on the soccer field. Um, and really connecting those things is, I think is important. Um, okay. But, but I also think I want I also want to congratulate you for really, you know, giving her that autonomy as, as well as not being restrictive, because one of the things that we know about eating disorders in young ladies with diabetes is that it's oftentimes it's about, uh, most time it's about control and feeling like, like they are out of control in of their life because diabetes is such a burden and they're restri- so restricted in what they can do and what they can eat. And so um, part of that is a rebelliousness. And so by, right. by, by, by allowing her that, um, that flexibility and freedom um, in terms of choosing what she's going to eat, um, I think that's actually setting her up for success. And I think you've actually seen that already in what's happened when you give her all of those choices Generally speaking, it's less of a less of a, a challenge. My guess is if you were very restrictive and said, you know, you could only eat this, this, and this when you go out, you can't have that birthday cake, you can't have that donut, you can't have that pretzel, um, you would probably see a lot more pushback and a lot more rebelliousness. So um I think that the what you're doing is actually seems like it's working really well. Um, and so Okay. Yeah, in, I mean in terms, of her, her I, respo- in terms of her response. Yeah, my I mean, my personality, I would much rather not give those um, opportunities. And I'm like, I, I would much rather not. But I think that um, uh, it's that if I don't, that I'll be um, paying for it later. That's my yeah. hypothesis. But, you know, when we're at the movie theater, I think most of the reason she wants to go to the movie theater is because there's a Slurpee machine, right? And I've never met a Slurpee that has not done us wrong. Like we get done wrong every time by a Slurpee, right? So she's not allowed to measure the Slurpee herself. Like she has to get the lowest Slurpee and about half of what she would want, but she still gets the Slurpee. And I think that's 90% of the draw of wanting to go um, to the movie theater because she knows it's there. 
And it would ruin my day to be my blood sugars at 300. I, I mean, I know, um, yeah, I know what it feels like. I've worn the Dexcom myself and having high blood sugar, you just, you're, you're grouchy. You don't feel good. Um, it would ruin my day, but she seems to not, I mean, she still seems to think it's worth it. Yeah. And, and remember that she's seven and she wants to be a normal seven-year-old and she's right. normal seven. I mean, and, and, but to, to, to feel like she has those types of, um, uh, those types of choices, I think is really, really important. Um, and I think that for you, it's a matter of one, you know, reminding yourself that, you know, based on what you told me about her A1s to get her time and range, she's doing phenomenally well. And second of all, I think one of the, one of the things that we get in our heads, like I, this happens to me sometimes is we see these spikes in blood sugar, either with myself or with somebody else. And you think, oh my gosh, this person is in danger. And what we know from the research is that inter, what, what I'm going to call intermittent blood sugar spikes. So, you know, the, the spikes that go up, you know, and even they stay there for a couple hours and come back down. Um, there's no, there's no evidence that that causes any sort of long-term damage. Certainly it impacts your quality of life that today. Um, you know, if you're not feeling well, but you know, if your blood sugar is high for a day, that not, not very much fun, but there's not a lot of danger there unless you're in DKA and that's a whole nother story. But if she's on her pump, that is very, very unlikely. What the, where, where the danger comes in for people is when their blood sugar is high for a long period of time or, and I'm talking weeks and months and years. Um, and and, and that's clearly not happening right now. And so I think, I think that for you, it's a matter of remember grounding yourself with that information. And certainly feel free to talk to her doctor and do do your research. You don't need to believe me um, about, about this, but, and then also being able to tolerate the anxiety that comes with it. Because I, because as a parent, I know how that anxiety can make you want to try to control, you know, everything that's going on in your child's life. I feel the same way sometimes. Um, And really it's more of an issue about how can I, I tolerate the fact that I am anxious, but I know that she is safe. And and holding both those things at the same time, um, I think is a great skill for you to learn as well as for you to be able to model the her. I think that would okay. be really, really effective. Um, and it's not easy, you know, tolerating yeah. stress, tolerating anxiety, tolerating that th- those racing thoughts in your head is not at all easy. Um, but it's a skill that for people, I mean, diabetes, I, mean, I put this on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago, but diabetes is an exercise in distress tolerance. And we have to be able to tolerate the fact that sometimes our blood sugars are going to be out of range. Sometimes we're not going to feel very good, um, but not let that get in the way of living our lives in the way that we want to and being the parent that we want to be um, if, you, if you have a child with diabetes. Yeah. So, so I, think, I, think, I, think, I think that for you, really, the, 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 the marching orders here, or the, the suggestion at least, is you know, ground yourself in the evidence. Ground yourself in the evidence of what, one, how Beatrice is actually doing in her, her data. Um, which is sounds phenomenal, um, even though it doesn't feel that way to you. And then yeah. second, and then second of all, um, work to reshift your mindset about what what how she's doing, and also what the choices that she's making and how they impact you, and how you can set boundaries that are appropriate, but at the same time give her that freedom uh, and allowing yourself to be anxious in that way. If you do that, my guess is that that anxiety will decline and, and decrease for you. And you'll come to a place where you can have an open, you know, you can continue to have an open and honest relationship with her where, where she'll, she'll share things with you. You'll be able to um, allow her to do everything that she wants to do and be the normal girl that she is. 
as well. And you be comfortable um, knowing that she's safe, knowing that she's well taken care of both by her, by you, by people at school, and as well as as she gets older by herself. I think that would be, it's going to be a, a challenge for all parents. I know. Um, yeah. But I think it'll be, it'll get you to a, a really good place. Um, could you just highlight what, because I heard you say, um, like setting some boundaries with her, if you were in my shoes, what sort of boundaries, um, would you think would be appropriate and how would they change year over year? And how would I know when it's time to change some things? Great question. Yeah. So I, I'm going to use myself as an example here, because I think this, this is a good thing. Uh, a good example. So I have set a boundary with myself, and I, granted, I'm much older than seven. <laughs> um, but 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 I don't. I generally speaking, do not eat carbohydrates before noon. Um, okay. And, and granted, I mean that 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 may be not what you want to do, but I'm just this is just an example because I know that if I eat if I eat cereal or if I eat pancakes or I eat a bagel for breakfast, my mm-hmm. blood sugar will go high and it will not come down all day long, and I will feel awful. Yeah. I mean, so that's a boundary that I set. Do I break that boundary? Yes, but I do it intentionally. And so, you know, I, I think finding the, those things where, um, where the, there are problem areas. So which not only cause problems for her blood sugars, but also cause problems for her behavior and her ability to um, go to school and have, you know, be a good student and have fun. And, and um, you know, say, you know, Beatrice, maybe we're going to not have cereal Maybe it's not. I mean, if she eats cereal in the morning, maybe not every day. I don't even but, have cereal, no. But, 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 <laughs> yeah, but as as an example, you know, maybe we're only gonna um, you're only gonna have cereal on weekends because and and okay. but the, but there's logic to that. It's not saying okay. it's, it's not mom being mean. It's mom saying I want to set you up for success for school today. Um, and so by and the way I'm gonna do that is I'm gonna ha- we're gonna have make a great breakfast, but it's not gonna include the things that are gonna spike your blood sugar, keep you wilded, what's gonna keep you grumpy and and not not being able to focus on the things that are important. Um, but I think I think setting those boundaries in a way that is um intentional and also um showing her the reasons why, as opposed okay. to be, as opposed to making her feel like an arbitrary. I remember okay. when I remember, I think that we, we can all remember people of our generation, our parents, I remember made, made rules that, that seemed arbitrary to me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why are you making that rule? What difference does it make whether I get home at 9.30 or 10? And maybe they didn't right. make it. But but I think that um, as, as a parent, I know that you want to, and I certainly do want to make sure that our kids understand the reasons why the boundaries we're setting are there. Um, because that, that helps them have buy-in to it. And helps them see that we're not doing it because we don't like them or don't love them. Actually, quite the opposite. We're doing it because we want to set them up for success. So that would be an example um, of, of a boundary that, that you can set. Or maybe, maybe another one, again, um, an example for a seven-year-old be, would be um, no dessert. If we're going to have dessert at night, we're gonna, you have to finish it by 7 p.m. If she goes to bed at nine or you know you, two hours before bed to make sure that her blood sugar ha- ha- is going to be in a place before bed that's going to set her and you up for success overnight would be another okay. example. So right, yeah, so right now, if you want dessert, you literally have to make it. So like, <laughs> yeah. If, yeah, so we don't even have dessert in the house. Um, like if homegirl wants to have something, you know, special, there's a frozen, like one of those, uh, things of yogurt. That was like a yogurt stick. We, we can freeze, we freeze those. And she does, obviously she has access to candy for Lowe's. So she chews her candy. She knows what that is in the cabinets. Um, and she's generally not allowed to just eat the candy for no reason. Um, 
Okay. But is yeah. the signs, is, so if she starts sneaking food, is it that I'm being, that those are other signs that it's too restrictive or? It, it could be, it, it, it also okay. could, it could be rebelliousness and just and a need for control that there is then nothing to do with you, but having to do with, you know, just how she feels in her, in her world with diabetes. And so, okay. the, 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 but those are things that I hopefully able to maintain that kind of open communication about and, um, and, and pick, picking your battles, but picking your battles in a way that's going to set her up for success. Yes. Like I said, we've just, it's a hope for the best for those teeth. So we'll probably have to replace them in a couple of years for the rest of her body. <laughs> yeah. But the rest of her body sounds like she's doing, she's just doing <laughs> yeah. really well. And I, and I want, just want you to ground, ground yourself in that data, both the, the, the data that you're getting on a daily basis from her, her CGM and her pump, but also from the, the, the evidence that we have about what that data actually means. Um, and, and ground yourself in that as a, as a way to um, continue to guide you to allow her to be a seven-year-old. Because I think that right now, obviously keeping her blood sugars and range is important, but also being a normal seven-year-old is just as important. Yeah. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. This was a great conversation. I hope that the listeners uh, got a lot out of this. I know we have a lot of parents listening and they're going to really appreciate and hear themselves, I think, in, in your story. Well, hey, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, giving your uh, expertise. It's a very big privilege for me. Thank you so much. You bet. At the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action that you can use in your life right now to help you to reduce the emotional burden of type 1 diabetes. And today, your plan of action is make a plan. I want you to make a plan about the boundaries you want to set for yourself around food and type 1 diabetes and the boundaries that you want to allow yourself to not worry about. So for example, do you want to make sure that you have dessert every day? Then give yourself permission. Do you want to make sure that you don't eat carbs before noon? Again, set that boundary. It's important to think ahead so that you can set the boundaries and stick to them, as opposed to allowing your desires in the moment to control you. Making a plan gives you control of your own behavior, as well as allowing you to enjoy the things you want to enjoy. Thanks so much for joining me on the Live Free with T1D podcast, where I teach you how to build your diabetes management plan like a sailboat, so you can have smooth sailing in your life with type 1 diabetes. And I'll see you back here next week, same time, same place. Bye for now.